I'm going to ask my friends in the booth to pull up the picture that I have on your the cover of your bulletins for this morning. I came upon this picture this week, and it is a picture entitled The Ascension. And this picture has really grabbed my attention, and I wanted to share it with you this morning. This week, we celebrate Jesus' ascension on the 40th day after Easter, which was just this past Thursday. And at first, when I saw this picture that was given that name with all those colors and the style of that image, it really just grabbed me. Visually, I mean. And as you can see up on the screens, it's got all kinds of different shades of reds and oranges and blues of off in the distance there. And, and there in the foreground there, you can see that there's some, some shadowy figures there in black. It's a sunrise, or maybe it's a sunset, I thought at first when I saw this picture, and it's pretty to just look at. I assumed at first that that must be Jesus there, lifting His hands in the middle. I didn't quite have an idea just yet about why the artist may have done the sun in that way. In fact, I didn't pay much attention to it at all at first. And I wondered why the artist named this picture Ascension because it's not all that obvious that anyone is doing any ascending at all. But as I've come back to that picture over and over again all week long this week, I I think I have begun to figure it out. This must be the moment just after the ascension. Those must be His disciples there in the foreground still looking up into the sky. More importantly, though, the colors definitely signal that the sun is setting. A day, a whole era, perhaps, is coming to an end. And another is about to begin. And while those figures seem dark to us, situated behind them at dusk as we are, their front sides must be basking in that sunlight in a way that gives rise to that expression of praise. Jesus has risen and has gone away, but they still feel the warmth of His Son. And the Son. The Son there. lowering The lowering Son is refigured here as an eye. Isn't it? What a powerful way to symbolize for us what this day's celebration is is really about. Christ is gone and is still present somehow. Something has changed. The day has ended when He walks physically with His disciples side by side. A transition is taking place. But new things are coming. And the distance there in that image between the sun and that disciple on the rock, as much as it expresses a joy and a confidence, it also raises a question about how this new arrangement is going to work. This week I'm beginning a new sermon series that I'm calling A Season of Transitions and Gifts because as you may already know, over the next three to four weeks, we'll be walking through and celebrating several major holidays through the church year. This week, it's the Ascension, 40 days after Easter. Next week, it's Pentecost, which is 
50 days after Easter, in the day that we celebrate the gift of the Holy Spirit and the birth of the church. And then the following Sunday after that is both Trinity Sunday as well as a special missional Sunday in the life of our denomination that we call Peace with Justice Sunday. And all of these different celebrations, it seems to me, link up somehow with the big question that this picture leaves us with. What happens now? How is all of this going to work? It's a series of celebrations, I think, that would have us think closely about what God wants to do in me. How God is going to work in the world through me. And maybe that's why the disciple there ends up in the center of this picture. It would have us take stocks take stock of the gifts in me and in the church around me that God intends to use, indeed, that God has given. And would have us consider together afresh as well, who is this God who at once seems so far away and yet at the same time is as near as a heartbeat? This scene that we read about this morning at the Ascension is Similar in some important respects, I think, to what we just experienced a little bit ago in our children's moment this morning. Acts says that all through that 40 days post-resurrection, Jesus spent time with his disciples that he was about to send forth into the world as apostles, teaching and equipping them and making them ready for what was coming. They had already Tremendous tools for the work at their disposal. And yet, when he finally leaves, it appears as though they must have spent quite a long time there staring up into the sky. And I mean a long time. As in, these two men robed in white that Acts mentions have have to come up and have to intervene. Why are you guys still staring up into the sky? I mean, sure, anyone who would have seen what they just saw would probably spend some time staring up into the sky. But sooner or later, I would think that stare might start to mean something different. Sooner or later, that stare stops meaning, can you believe what we just saw, and starts to mean, what are we going to do now? Have you ever had a moment like that when you appreciated the real weight of a new reality in your life for the first time. I can remember many times in my life when I felt that kind of awesome weight. I've told many of you before about the year I spent as a long-term substitute teacher. It was the year after I finished my master's degree and I was applying for graduate school and studying for GRE exams and all of that, and I ended up as a long-term substitute teacher for eighth-grade algebra for seven long months. I was about 25 years old at the time and had never really stepped into a classroom in quite that way before. And of course, leading up to that, I had subbed for mostly one day at a time kind of gigs, mostly just having students do busy work that other teachers had left for me. But this time was a whole lot different. By the time they offered me the position, 
Five different fully certified and experienced math teachers had cycled in and out of that job, and it was only November. And now they're bringing me in, probably just for some semblance of stability to help them get to the Christmas break and, and then to spring break and then to the end of the year. I think I was two days in or so when I realized that this wasn't just a normal subbing job. First of all, there were no assignments left for me. And there weren't going to be any assignments left for me because there was no one else. That second day, they did a busy work type of assignment all day that I had for them. And they were supposed, uh, it was on the unit they were supposed to be on. And it had some simple algebra that they would work through in that assignment sheet. And I mean of the kind X plus 5 equals 12. And the question that I got every single class of that day and spent all day explaining is what does this X mean? Do you mean to tell me that you've had five different experienced and certified Teachers come through this classroom so far this year, and this is the unit that you've been working through, way behind schedule, by the way. And in November, they don't even know what X means. Church, I sat for a long time in that classroom after that day was over and just thought about those children and the true awesomeness of the task that was before me and that was becoming clearer and clearer to me by the moment, I felt that weight that I'm talking about here in this picture today. I felt like, wow, if I don't teach these children this stuff, they could lose a whole year. This could set them back for life, in fact. This could be the thing that makes these 120 some odd children say forevermore, no, I don't get that whole math thing. Math just isn't for me. It could mean the difference between whether they succeed in high school or not. Whether they go further in school or not. Whether they apply for and get the kinds of jobs that can sustain a living or not. I felt a truly awesome weight, a truly heavy sense of, wow, this is really on me, isn't it? And there really isn't going to be someone else that's going to come bail me out, is there? No one else is going to step in and fix this situation. That afternoon and more than one afternoon after that, the drive home put the thought in my head, you know, I could literally stop this job today. And what then? And what then? One version of that thought that surfaced from time to time during that period in my life was, wow, the ball really is entirely in my court, isn't it? I can't believe, I cannot believe just how much they've put the ball in the court of a 25-year-old with so little experience and no certifications in teaching. I imagine, friends, as I sit again with this picture of the ascension today, that something like that is going through those disciples' minds as they stare up long and hard into space. This is truly 
an awesome task that is before us, a truly weighty thing that has been laid on their laps. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Who would drop such an awesome task into the lap of a bunch of ragtag disciples that didn't even have any certifications just yet? And not a degree between them and the one with all the know-how has just gone away. But I can tell you what my experience was. Day three, as a substitute teacher, we started from scratch. We figured out that whole X thing together. We learned how to multiply and divide fractions and figured out what a function was. I was, it was a truly tremendous adventure to get started on and for me to accept that this was my work for a season. What I learned then was that there's something important and incredible that happens in your heart when you move from that place where you're staring up into the sky like those disciples that place where you say, okay, God, I accept that this is my work. And I think as I look at that picture again this morning, that that's, that that is when those hands get raised. I think that disciple there in the middle is rejoicing because he's just finished his staring up into the sky and is just beginning to experience that there is tremendous joy and power in the accepting of the work. Wow, God really is going to entrust me with this, isn't he? Wow, God really is going to see me through this. God's got his eye on me, in fact, as I discovered that his work has become my work to do. And that with God by my side and in my heart, I can do it. You know, the ascension is a critical moment in time, it seems to me, because it speaks to such a pivotal growing up moment for the church and how transformative it would be if we could all somehow get ourselves back there at that same moment to experience at once together both the awe and the weight of realizing what God in Christ has left us with and then to discover in the very next moment that these two hands really are going to be the hands that God uses as tools for the work. Will there be long drives home after that where we say to ourselves, you know, I, I could leave this all behind? Of course there will be. Like anything, I suppose. But we won't, you know. We won't because it is just far, far greater a surprise and a joy and a God-given assurance to find over and over again that even these hands make a real true difference in God's work. Church, my prayer, my prayer for you and for us and for our church and for the church is that we can all somehow be renewed in the experience of this great handover. 
that we can feel again its glory and its awe, be struck by its very real weight and magnitude. Maybe even to the extent where someone dressed up in a robe of white has to come and knock us into our senses again. But then, oh then, my friends, to step deeply into the work where we discover God moving beside us and using us beyond what we thought we could do out in those vast spaces that seem so daunting and scary, but where God truly ignites us and makes us alive in the work. That is my prayer, church, for us. For us, the church, for a new sort of ascension. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen.